We are, as Rich said, uh, speaking this morning about money. Before that though, let me just talk a bit about what we've been doing as a church. We've been working for a series which has been called Good to Grow. Good to Grow is what it's been called and that's what we want to do. As a church, as Revelation, we, we believe we want to be big people. We want God to enlarge us. We want God to make us fruitful. So this series has been all about that. And it comes out of a parable, a story, a story Jesus told about a, a sower, not a sower, not a stitcher, a sower of seeds. And, and the story goes, the man goes out in the field and he throws some seeds down and some fall on the path. The ones that fall on the path, the birds come down and, and eat them. Some fall on um, rocky ground and the soil's only, there's only a little bit of soil there. And so they, they grow quick because they're right near the surface, but they don't grow good. There's not enough space, not enough roots. And so um, when the sun comes out, they just wither and die. Some of them, the seeds, fall amongst other seeds, amongst weeds and thorns. And as they grow up, the thorns grow up and they choke the plants and the plants die. There's other seed that falls on good soil. And it multiplies, some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. We want to be fruitful. We want to be fruitful people. That's what this season, this series is about. Jesus finishes the parable by saying, he who has ears, let him hear. Because you see that, that story is all about this. It's about hearing the word of God. It, it, those seeds are about the word of God coming to us. Later, the disciples come to Jesus and they say, why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. That's what these seeds are. That's what this parable is about. It's about the secrets of the kingdom of God and the heaven, the words of life. The words of life. We want to hear them. We want to grow. We want to we want God's word to dwell in us richly. Therefore, we want to break up the ground. We want to break up the hard ground. We want to prepare it. We want to root out the weeds. These weeds, Jesus says, are the worries of life, the worries of the world, the anxieties of the world. And so that's what we've been talking about. We've been talking about the anxieties of the world and what God has to say about them. We've talked about political turmoil and Brexit. We've talked about climate change. We've talked about kids and loneliness. We've talked about anxiety. We've talked about the fear of death. We've talked about pressure and jobs and illness. And this morning, as we come towards the end of this series, we're talking about money. The preach has the title, I'm too scared to check my bank balance. I'm aware, as I say, we're talking about money, that this is a topic that would be tricky to address at any time. Tricky to address at any time because, like many of you, we've, we've been in seasons where we've not had enough. We've been in seasons where we've been in real, real uh, dire straits, where the bank balance has really not looked good. We've been in those seasons where you can't help but just think, what, what am I meant to do? and become consumed by an overriding fear and worry about the future and consumed with plans of how do I get myself out of this. We've also been in seasons where we've had enough, sometimes a bit extra. And yet in those seasons, we can become consumed with 
ideas of how do I accumulate more? How do I secure this position? This is where I'm secure and how do I go about furthering it? How do I go about maximizing this? Money is dangerous. Money is dangerous. And like all topics, this is... Uh, like this, sorry, 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 sorry. This topic is difficult to talk about at the best of times. And yet I'm also aware that this is a difficult time. This is a time of what can feel like shifting sands, a time of great flux. And some of you who had abundance have now found yourselves in a position where you have little or you don't know what the future holds. Maybe you're self-employed and who knows where the next bit of work is coming from. Maybe I know there are members of the church who have lost jobs. I know there are people who have the potential of losing their homes. This topic, I'm aware, is a difficult one. And if you've got too much, you may well struggle with that sense of what do I do with this? Is it sinful for me to have too much? You may struggle with that sense of a desire to just have more and accumulate. And if you have too little, you may be consumed with that fear of what does tomorrow bring? Before I get into the meat of what I want to talk about this morning, before I get into the, the passage I really want us to, to focus on, I, I just want to start with two observations on this. The first is that Jesus comes into our disappointment. He comes into our need. We can unpack that more as we go along, but I just wanted to read you this, this, this verse. Um, it's from John 21. It's, it's after Jesus has um, died and, and come back to life and resurrected and is appearing to the disciples and says this, Simon Peter said to him, Hang on, let me just find it. And I've got it here. Okay, it says to him, Simon Peter said to him, I am to them, to the disciples, I am going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore. I just love this verse because it just encapsulates the very nature of, of our God. Into their disappointment he comes. In those moments where we've gone out in the boat and we've caught nothing, it's Jesus we can meet on the shore. At the breaking of dawn. He is the breaking dawn. He is our great hope. So that's the first observation I just want you to hold on to. The second one is this. His mercies are new to us each morning. His mercies are new to us each morning. I'm, I'm acutely aware that there's not lots of new stuff to say about this topic. But that's not the point, is it? I'm not meant to be saying new stuff. I'm meant to be saying, talking about the mercies of God that are new to us each morning. That I was thinking about this, thinking there's sort of two kinds of clothes. I'm sure you'll, you'll, you'll relate to this. You've got those old clothes, which when they get old, they just get tatty and sort of bobbly or they don't quite fit right you know they just don't feel good you're like no that's no good anymore and that's that's time for the charity shop maybe it'll fit somebody else better than I there's other clothes though and I've got a couple like this which 
They get old, but they just get better. They just fit better. I've got this denim jacket and it, like every time I put it on, it just feels good. It just feels better each time. Now, if you'll forgive this quite pale um, uh, comparison, the mercies of God are like that second lot of clothes. They just get better. Each time we put them on and let them dwell in us, let them come into us richly, as we dwell in them, they are just better and better. This is what it says, says in Lamentations. <clears throat> Sorry, in Lamentations. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. New every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. So their observation, I just want us to hold on to those things. As we, as we listen this morning and as we, we seek to let God's word dwell in us richly, remember, this isn't new stuff, but it can be new to us this morning. Let him who has ears hear. I'm going to pray before I really get into the meat of what we're talking about this morning. Father, we thank you, Lord, we thank you that you come into our place of need, Lord. We thank you that you know the disappointments, the fears, the worries, the concerns of each and every one of us. Each member of Rev, each, per, each person listening in, whether they are near or far. You know their worries and their concerns. You know them intimately and you care. Thank you that you care, Lord. We thank you that you are the one that we can come to that meets us on the shore. In our moments of disappointment, you are the one that comes to us. We thank you, Lord, that your mercies are new to us this morning, that your faithfulness knows no end, that your steadfast love is abounding and eternal. Lord, we come to you this morning and we, we want to hear. Lord, we, we want to hear. We want to be good soil. We want to hear your word, Lord. Lord, help us this morning to hear you, to be changed by your word. Amen. Okay, so let me come to, to, to this then this morning. There's loads I could say about money. God, God, Jesus talks about it a lot. It's in there a lot in, in the Gospels. He talks about money more than he talks about sex, more than he talks about heaven and hell. Uh, if I was to encapsulate some of what Jesus says, and, and certainly what we're going to talk about this morning, it's that the issue of money is not an issue of quantity. The issue of money is an issue of perception, how we see money and how we see God, and an issue of allegiance, whether we're tied to money or whether we are holding on to God. I'll say this and I'll repeat it later, because this probably best encapsulates what I, what I feel God wants to speak and press and us this morning. The issue of money is not about how much treasure you hold. It's about whether you have got hold of the right treasure. Let me read to you from Matthew 6. I trust it's going to come up on the screen. I'm reading from the ESV version. If you've got another version, that's absolutely fine. Here we go, Matthew 6, verses 19 to 24. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. 
The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then, the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Um, for the rest of this morning, I'm going to address this in three parts. Number one is going to be, where's your treasure? Number two is going to be, who do you serve? And number three is going to be, how's your eyesight? If you're, if you're particularly observant this morning, you'll have seen that I'm doing this in not quite the same order as it's there. I'm going to take these three paragraphs. I'm going to take the middle one. I want to address that at the end because I really want to highlight something that Jesus wants us to see here. So first of all, where is your treasure? Verse 19 says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Here's something Jesus wants us to get. Money is not eternal. He wants us to know this. It's, it's not eternal. It will not last. It will all pass away. All of our possessions, all of our wealth, all of our poverty will pass away. A hundred years from now, what will have come of our bank balance? What will have come of these moments of not knowing if I'm going to reach the end of the month in the black or not? What will have come of them? They will all have passed away. All our possessions will be scattered and gone. Jesus tells another story about this. Um, and I'm going to... Sorry, I'm going to highlight a few parables as we go along. This one comes in sort of the parallel passage in Luke. You know Matthew and Luke, they're two different books written about Jesus' life. Um, but the, the, the writers write very similar stories, of course. Often we find Matthew's recorded some of certain things she said and Luke's recorded other bits. And this is sort of a parallel because the chunk that comes after what we've read is the same chunk in Luke and Matthew. But before it, they do two different things. Matthew talks about what we've just read. And Luke records a story that Jesus tells. It says, it's a story called, which we call the parable of the rich fool. Do we call it that? I'm going to tell the parable and I'll check that later. There's a rich man, okay? There's a rich man and he, he, he just, he, he's like Midas, right? Everything he touches turns to gold. He's just plentiful, plentiful. He's got so much stuff. And he just, particularly, it's just in this season of just abundance. And so he thinks, what should I do then? What should I do with all this extra? I've got it. I'm going to rip down my barns and build bigger barns. Because then I can store all my stuff all my stuff, I can get it all in there. I can get it all in there. The flat screen TVs have got you. Probably not flat screen TVs. But all of these abundance, he can get it in there. And then he says, right, brilliant. That's it. I can relax. Eat, drink and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. You can't take it with you. We know that. God wants us to know it. He says before this, Jesus says before this, he says, before, he, before this story, he says, one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Let's press on. 
in this passage in Matthew. Verse 20 says, Lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Here's the next thing Jesus wants us to get. Money is not eternal, but there are eternal treasures. There are things that will last for not just a hundred years, but for all eternity. And, and I want to unpack, as, as you'll see in these verses, two kinds of treasure, two treasures. See, see, there's the great treasure and there's the treasures to be found in him. For us to get our heads around this great treasure, I want us to go on to part two, which is called, Who Will You Serve? Verse 24, it says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Everyone serves a master. All of us, Give our time and attention and energy and passion to the pursuit of something. There's a, a writer, um, there was a writer called David Foster Wallace, a writer, a thinker, and um, not a Christian. But he said something which I always find so helpful. And I'm going to read it to you. He said this about worship. He said, here's something else that's true. It's part of a speech, so yeah, he's said some other things, stuff before this. Here's something else that's true. In the day-to-day -day trenches of adult life, there is not actually no such thing as atheism. There's no such thing as not believing in a God, right? There's no such thing as not worshipping. Everybody worships. The only choice we get is what to worship, and an outstanding reason for choosing some sort of God or spiritual type of thing to worship is that pretty much Anything else you worship will eat you alive. If you worship money and things, if they are where you tap real meaning in life, then you will never have enough. Never feel you have enough. It's the truth. Worship your own body and beauty and sexual allure and you will always feel ugly. And when time and age start showing, you will die a million deaths before they finally plant you. On one level, we all know this stuff already. It's been codified as myths, proverbs, cliches. If you worship power, you will feel weak and afraid and you will need ever more power over others to keep the fear at bay. Worship your intellect, being seen as smart, you will end up feeling stupid, a fraud, always on the verge of being found out, and so on. We all worship. Only choice in life is what to worship. Now, I want to spend a bit of time here just addressing you. If you're here this morning... Uh, and oh, goodness, something just came out of the computer there. I want to uh, address you this morning, if you're, if you're with me this morning, with us this morning, and you're not a Christian. I know there'll be many who have joined us this morning who you wouldn't say that you've given your life to Jesus. You wouldn't say that you're a Christian. And I want to just take a bit of time just to, just to talk to you about this, this idea. Because if this is true, you might have two questions. N number one might be, what kind of master are you proposing that I follow? 
And number two might be, how do I go about following him? So let's have a, just think about this. What kind of master is Jesus talking about here when he says, you cannot serve both God and money? What is God like? I want us to, I want to just, just bring you back to that parallel passage in Luke. In, in that passage, Jesus says, fear not, little flock, for it is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Such a helpful verse in understanding what God is like. He says, fear not, little flock. You see, the master that I'm proposing is worth following is a shepherd. He's described as a shepherd throughout the Bible, as a good shepherd. He's one who takes care of our needs. He looks after us. He is the gate in the sheepfold protecting us. He takes care of our needs. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure. You see, the one I'm proposing that you worship is a father. He's a father, which means he knows how to give good gifts. See, Jesus says that. He says, though, you're, though you earthly fathers are sinful, you know how to good, give good gifts. How much more does your father in heaven know how to give good gifts? The one I'm proposing you follow is a shepherd takes care of our needs. He's a father. He knows how to give good gifts. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. He's a king. He has all the wealth. In Psalm 50 it says, every beast of the field is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. I love that. I love that. The cattle on a thousand hills. Maybe in today's language we'd say, He's not just got a finger in every pie, but every pie is his. You see, the one I'm proposing you follow is a shepherd. He takes care of our needs. He's a father. He knows how to good, give good gifts and he's the king. It's all his. He has all the wealth. So the second question was, so if, if you want to follow this king, this shepherd, this father, how do you go about changing allegiance? Because there's a couple of problems, all right? Now, problem number one is that the heart is loyal. It loves to love. The heart loves to love. It loves to give. It's... But actually, if you've started worshipping something, you are in a sense wed to it. You are tied to it. It has a hold on you. It has a hold on your heart. That's problem number one. How do I switch allegiance? Problem number two. Problem number two is this. The Bible talks about people not just being not just the heart being loyal in that sense but the heart also being adulterous which means we're meant to be wed to God but we've wed ourselves to all this other stuff that's the second problem the problem is what the bible calls sin we've turned from the father and we've sought out all this other stuff and it has consumed us and held on to us and polluted us made us less than we should be so there's some problems. So the question is, how do you change? How do you change heart? Your heart. How is your heart transformed into a position where you can follow this good master? Let me explain by just reading to you a verse. It's in John. It says John in John three sixteen. Some of you, will, lots of you, will know this so well. Even if you're not a Christian, you may well know this verse. It says, "For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son." 
that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. God loves. He gave his son. Jesus lived and died, died for this very purpose that we've been talking about. Jesus died for treasure. Jesus tells his parable about a guy who's in, another guy's in a field, okay? This guy in a field and he comes across a treasure. He doesn't say what the guy's doing in the field, but he comes across this treasure. And he, at that point, he goes, well, I'm going to sell everything to take hold of this treasure. Jesus says, that's what the kingdom of heaven is like. That's what it's like. If you, if you, Here's the thing. That guy, he had no plans when he went into that field of selling everything he had. What changed? He saw a great treasure. He saw something with such great worth, it was worth selling everything for. I might come back to that for. But let me just flip the logic. The the logic's this, if you find something of infinite worth, it's worth giving up everything for. Flip the logic, it goes like this. If you've given everything up to attain something, you are saying that that thing is of infinite worth. Here's what Jesus said on the cross. When he died on the cross, when he gave up everything, it says the father turned his face away. Jesus made himself nothing. What Jesus was saying with his dying dying breaths, he was saying, you are of infinite value to me. You are my treasure, worth giving up everything for. You see, Jesus died for this purpose. Treasure, you. And he died to give you life, life in abundance. For life does not consist in the abundance of your possessions. Real life is this, knowing and being known by the shepherd, the father, the king, being known and known by Jesus who died, who lived and died and lived again. Knowing the one who declares you his great treasure. You can't serve two masters. He has made a way for you to come to the master who promises life. He's made a way for you to come to the one who calls you his great treasure. He's made a a way for you to call him your great treasure. See, that's what that parable is about. If you see him, this morning I trust you may well see him this morning. You may well get this this morning, I trust he may well be speaking to your heart this morning. If you see him, your great treasure it is worth turning away from all the other treasures of the world. All the other things that may have a hold on you and coming to Jesus. I want to continue this morning by, by addressing you if you, you are a Christian here. I want to address you this morning if you're a Christian here. And I, I want to say some really similar things. What we do when we're in this position <clears throat> where money has a hold on us that is not the right kind of hold. I saw a tweet this week from an author and publisher called Dane Ortland, and I just love this. He said this, The Christian life boils down to two steps. Step one, 
Go to Jesus. Step two, see step one. You see, we, we don't move on from this place of coming to Jesus, of coming back to him. Here I am, Lord. Here I am, and I'm coming back to you. The one who comes into my need, comes into my despair, comes into this moment I am in now. You know it full well, and you meet me on the shore. We don't move from this place of coming to Jesus. Proverbs 3 says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. Keep that far from us, God. Let us not lean on our own understanding. Let us trust in you. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Get that. Get it. Hear this mercy new again this morning. Acknowledge him in all your ways. If you are in a position of having too little, acknowledge him. Come to him. Trust in him. Do not lean on your own. Don't come up with your own plans. He will make your paths straight. It's not a promise that you'll fill up your bank balance. It's a promise that he will make your paths straight and good and true. You see, this is the second kind of treasure. Storing up treasures in heaven. What does that look like? What does that mean? You can't serve two masters. To serve money would mean to sort of maximise all your time and energy and attention around money. Serving God means to put all your time and attention and energies into pursuing him. Step one, go to Jesus. Step two, see step one. That's what seeking first his kingdom looks like. His rule in your life. He promises to make our path straight. Okay, let me finish then with part three. How's your eyesight? Let me finish here with part three. How's your eyesight? So there's this, this, these verses. Let me read them to you. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? feels like a curious couple of verses to be sandwiched between these two passages about money. What Jesus is saying here, he's saying how you see determines whether you're in darkness or not. I'm not, I'm not a scientist, but I do know this. Your perception of light and dark is determined by how good your eyes are. Whether it's really dark or not, your perception, how you see it, how you encounter the world is determined by how good your eyes are. Jesus is taking it more than that. He's saying, what goes in? How much light goes in? What you're seeing determines how much light and darkness there is in you. You see, what he's saying is how you see God and how you see money are really, really important. How you see God and how you see money. You see, money, the issue of money is not an issue of quantity. It's an issue of perception and it's an issue of allegiance. Life is not about how much treasure you hold. 
It's about whether you have got hold of the right treasure and allowed it to take hold of you. He is our great treasure. He is worth selling everything, laying down everything, counting it all a loss. Whether we've got surplus, whether we're deep in the red. Life is not about treasure. Life is not about how much treasure you hold. It's about whether you've got hold of the right kind of treasure and allowed it to get hold of you. So you can either let money have a hold of you. You can prioritise all your actions to the accumulation and the maximising of money. You can store it up and exalt it and, and you can revel in it and you can fear it. Or you can let God have a hold of you. Whether you're a Christian here this morning or whether you're not, you can let God have a hold of you. And in turn, you can take hold of him. And with his gracious leading, you can prioritise all your actions to maximise him, to exalt him, to lift him up, to revel in the freedoms that he brings. And yes, to come in awe and trembling before him. If you've got too much this morning, I want to say to you, come to Jesus and offer your all to him. Use that too much to serve the kingdom. Use it to be rich towards God and his kingdom. Bless the needy. Put your money towards initiatives which uphold the vulnerable and the downtrodden. Put it toward churches who love the world. If you've got too little, I want to say to you this. Come to Jesus and offer all of you to him. Offer all of yourself to him. And you will find a treasure of great worth. He will make your path straight. That's his promise. He says he will work out all things for your good. Let me tell you a really quick story. Um, Chloe and I have been uh, through seasons, that's my wife if I've not met you before, Chloe and I have been through seasons of not having enough. I alluded to it at the beginning and I just want to talk to you about one. We lived in, in, in another country for a few years. We went there to help plant a church. And the first year we were there, I was self-employed. And as that year went along, I lost more and more work. Our finances looked bleaker and bleaker. And we, being in a foreign country, it just, it was difficult. It is much, felt much harder to navigate. How, where do we find help in this? Who do we go to? Where do we turn to? And God in his graciousness brought us to the end of ourselves. We went, why are we looking at all these places to go? There's only one place to go. That's Jesus. And we came to him and instead of praying, God, we need more money, we, we pray. There's nothing wrong with that. He says, give us our day, give us our daily bread. He's, he's, he asks us to pray. But he called us to pray not for that first, but for faith first. And we prayed and we sought him. And I'll tell you this. It wasn't that suddenly our bank balance filled up. Our faith filled up. We got bigger. We grew. To the point where one day we were just like, I'm just not worried about it. He is not going to let us down. He's not going to let us down. He clothes the flowers of the field. He feeds the birds of the air. How much more will he feed and clothe and look after us? Let me close with this. I want you to imagine 
I want you to imagine a church filled with people, some who have too much, and in their abundance they give it to God. They 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 use it to reach to reach the poor. They use it to uphold those in need. Imagine a church filled with people who some don't have enough, and yet they are not filled with fear. No, they are filled with faith. They are filled with faith because they come to Jesus and they know Him. I want you to imagine that church, and as Jesus says, we will be filled with light. We will be light to the darkness. Look, whether you're here in Rev, I, I, I call you to, to do this, to, to come to him in such a way that he grows you and fills you and you are light in the darkness. For those who are with us in Tottenham, I call you, we are the light in the darkness in that place. That is who God calls us to be. We've got to get our eyesight right. Let me pray. Then I'm going to hand on to Alice. We're going to um, spend some time responding to God in song. We're going to sing Christ Alone, Cornerstone. Jesus, we thank you that you love us. Lord, we thank you that in our disappointments, we encounter you. You come to us. We thank you that your mercies are new and fresh each and every morning. Lord, we thank you that we can come to you again and again and again and again. We come to you this morning. We say you are our cornerstone. We will not fear for we know you will not let us down. Amen.